Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to Unheard News. I'm Freddie Sayers. We are nearly three years into the COVID pandemic and still the question of masks, face masks to protect against it, lies unresolved in many people's minds. Recent articles still claim that we should be wearing masks to protect ourselves against COVID. In fact, there's been a bit of a spate of these articles recently. On the 9th of January this year, The Atlantic magazine asked, should everyone be masking again? The New York Times in December, just a month earlier, says, it's time to wear a mask again, health experts say. And I quote, a high quality, well-fitting mask is your best protection against infection from the coronavirus, influenza, and RSV. The Wall Street Journal was not to be outdone. In December, just a month ago, they say, how to prevent flu and RSV? You might not like the answer. Masks can provide protection against other respiratory viruses, not just COVID-19. That's a quote. Mask mandates are back. We now have them in public schools in Boston. Ann Arbor Public Schools in Michigan have just introduced a new mask mandate. A lot of other public school networks uh, and districts around the country, um, as well as some colleges. And guess what? The CDC, which is the American Center for Disease Control, the authority, apparently, on how to respond to diseases, currently has the following guidance. They say when the COVID-19 community level is medium or high, quote, if you're at high risk of getting very sick, wear a high quality mask or respirator, e.g. N95, when indoors in public. And then if the community level is high, the advice is just wear a high quality mask or respirator. There's no qualification there. They don't say indoors and obviously right-minded people would read that and interpret that to mean you should probably wear one outside as well. And indeed, in California and all around the country, very commonly you see people wearing masks outdoors. So it feels like we should probably address this issue by now. And to help us do that, we have two scientists who have been making a special study of masks over the COVID pandemic. Dr. Marjorie Smelkinson is an infectious disease scientist. Her research has focused on SARS-CoV-2 and influenza. And Dr. Leslie Beenan was, until last week, at Portland State University. She is an academic in global health and focuses on zoonotic disease transmission and healthcare policy. Welcome to you both. Thank you. 
Hi, thanks for having us. Now, before we get into this, I need to just do a very quick shout out to our readers, which is to remind you that if you subscribe to Unheard, just go to the link, we're going to put it underneath. Not only do you enjoy our videos such as this, you can actually read all of the articles, and these two experts have actually written for us today, so you can read their words, among very many others, and it's the grand total of 95p a week, which we think is an absolute bargain, so definitely check that out. Now, let's talk about masks. So you have kindly assessed them, you have brought together your research, and perhaps, Marjorie, we could start with you. What is the overall assessment? Everybody is still being encouraged by all of these authorities to wear face masks. Do you think they work? Well, let's kind of go back to the beginning of the pandemic a bit. Um, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, I, I think there was some plausibility that they would work. Um, especially if we originally thought it was spread through droplet transmission, which masks are pretty effective against. Um, and, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic, we were also very desperate. You know, we wanted just anything that would possibly work. Um, and it was supposed to be a, a temporary thing until we learned more or until we had something better like vaccines. And three years in, we are still debating whether or not they work. And it's really beyond time to start looking at the best data that we have on masks. And there, there is a substantial um, amount of literature looking at masks, especially if we look even pre-pandemic pre and look at flu. There are many of these what's called randomized controlled trials. It's really the gold standard of, um, of evaluating whether these interventions are working. And we have a lot of them. And we have them for COVID as well at this point, randomized controlled trials looking at masks. And when you look at this really good high quality data with flu, RSV, and now with SARS-CoV-2, there are simply just no high quality, well-controlled studies showing that masks really have much of an effect in controlling spread. Which you would kind of expect you would need at this point if you're still going to be having mandates in places like public schools and universities. Exactly. We need a much, more, much better justification for these mask mandates, and we need to be looking at the the randomized controlled trials that we have. Um, and instead, a lot of um, our public health officials and our media news outlets, they tend to focus on lower quality observational studies to um, hype these masks. And, you know, our higher quality studies just seem to counter that and suggest that they are not very effective. So I want to come to those. And I, I think, you know, we, we want to do exactly that. Let's make this the deep dive where we can expose the good evidence as well as the less good. But um, Leslie, perhaps I could ask you, these studies that many articles and media reports do link to as evidence for why mask wearing is effective, you're not especially convinced that they're so great after all. I thought maybe we could go through a couple of them. Yeah, that would be great. And Margie and I um, and Jean, Dr. Jean Noble at the University of California, San Francisco, have been writing about this topic for, it feels like decades, but I guess it's really only um, two years, right, Margie? Uh, we yeah, started back year, when, <laughs> back when masks were mandated all over the well, all over the democratic states for kids at school. And we were really wanting to get them, the mandates lifted. So that was kind of our first take on it. And then now we're revisiting as a few places have brought them back. Not, not nearly as many, but. So, so let's go through a couple of the, the studies or the evidence that 
are still being invoked as reason for masks. There's a CDC study from 2021, I think, um, that you are not especially impressed by. Yeah, and that there are a few kind of chestnuts that people like to go back to, and that's one of them. Um, that one, I think, suffered from a, an issue that's really common across some of the weaker studies, that is not randomized controls trials, which is that the dates are cherry-picked to reflect a time period where cases are rising or falling. But if you extend the analysis, the effect goes away. So I hope that's not too technical. I see. So so they claimed in that study that higher pediatric COVID-19 rates were found in unmasked schools compared to masked ones. But you're saying when you extend the time period, that effect goes away. Yeah. Yeah. So there's like a lot of cherry picking of date ranges or even schools themselves. Um, to sort of get to the conclusion that masks work. There's there's another big issue we've seen with a lot of, of the studies that um, on paper find some effect, which is that because the CDC, which is you know the American health uh, sort of biggest health recommending organization for policy, said initially that students who were masked were not considered quote contacts, so they would not be tested. There's this enormous bias built in where if a student or a school or a classroom was masked, then those students were, were not tested. But if the students were unmasked, they were tested. So there's just this giant confounder built in that, in my opinion, is rarely addressed um, or even mentioned in these studies. That What is the definition of a contact? So is this, there's a recent study to, conducted in Massachusetts schools um, that is quite often referred to in media reports that are in favor of face masks. Is your suggestion then that that study it also suffers from this, this bias? I believe so, yes. And, and that study really had a lot of issues and that, that, in my opinion, is one of them. Do you agree, Marjorie? Yeah, the Massachusetts school study, it's become a, a media darling, <laughs> I like to say. Um, it, it was, I believe, published in November of 2022, but it was conducted um, like during the Omicron surge, so the beginning of 2022. And they found that a lot of schools were dropping mandates around March of 2022, I think, and they were um, looking to see which schools, if, if, if any schools had more cases. And they found that the ones that dropped the mandates had this like explosion of cases. Um, but back to what Leslie was saying, um, there, there were also major policy changes when it came to testing once masks were dropped. Um, the, the CDC did have this rule that if you were a mass, mass contact, you were exempt from testing and quarantining. So it's possible that the, the, the districts that or the schools that dropped the mask mandates were just testing a whole lot more, which just makes it obviously you're just detecting a lot more cases. The cases were probably already there, but you're just detecting a lot more. Um, another confo confounder that we pointed out um, or that we uh, think confounds this data is that there's probably very large differences in the levels of natural immunity, at least at the time. Um, and so many, the, the schools that kept mask mandates tended to be the lower socioeconomic um, uh, schools. And so those communities also 
tended to suffer from more COVID infections. And so it's very likely that those schools simply just had more um, natural immunity to start with and during Omicron. And so if you have natural immunity, that's going to you know, delay the time to your next infection. So that might have been why we were not seeing this explosion of cases in these schools as well. Right. So w which studies then or, or sources would you point people to? Because I think a lot of people are having this conversation day to day. They may be a parent having a conversation with a school or with a place of work. And I think people would like to know what kind of authoritative study should they talk about? What, would, what do you think the most persuasive ones actually are? Um, I can start. I think the probably most rigorous study done is called Dan Mask. And what they found was there was no difference. <laughs> so that one doesn't get a lot of airplay um, in media that you know, sort of has a bias uh, toward the idea that masks where, where was that study conducted? It was in Denmark. Our good friend and colleague Vinay Prasad has sort of said all along that the most important thing to know about mass studies is that there were few, if if any, randomized trials, which, you know, where people weren't, were assigned to wear a mask or not. It wasn't a reflection of their inner risk tolerance. The problem is that even with a randomized trial, when it comes to a behavioral intervention, it's not like randomize someone to a placebo or a pill that has the active ingredient. People's behavior is still going to get in the way, right? Because it, it's very hard to, to force consistent behaviors all the time, even if someone's randomized to a trial. So the way they got around this in the, the other randomized trial, which was done in Bangladesh, was by randomizing entire villages. So it was done on the village level. It wasn't that people were told, like, either wear a mask or don't. It was that some villages received masks and some didn't. So even there, you're going to see a lot, a lot of bias with people who just don't right. wear it for whatever reason, you know, either younger, healthier people or, you know, people who are more risk tolerant, whatever it is. And in that study, they found a very, very small effect. It was literally about 20 cases over, you know, tens of thousands of people. And then the other um, thing that would make one question that study, aside from the fact that the effect was very small, was that they also found, I believe, that purple masks work better than uh, like red masks. So right, right there, that tells you like something is very weird with the right. with the data. There's one more study. I don't want to give our viewers kind of study overload here, <laughs> but there's one that uh, from your report that really jumped out at me, um, which although it wasn't a randomized control study you think is quite a rigorous one. And that was conducted in schools in Catalonia, which is a region of uh, Spain. Uh, and it was comparing unmasked five-year-olds to masked six-year-olds. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Marjorie, do you remember the detail of that one? Um. Yeah, I mean, just like you said, they had that that was the age at which ma uh, masks became mandated in the schools um, in, in Spain. Um, I don't know if that was um, the whole country or just this region. But um, yeah, six year olds were masked, five year olds weren't. And they basically found no difference in the in the um, the case rates in the schools. And I mean, it's, it's quite a striking sample yeah. anyway, isn't it? I mean, it, it just sort of intuitively would kind of defy belief that you've got these five-year-olds running around without masks then going home and playing with their siblings and right. coming back to school and then there's the class above we've got six-year-olds who are probably not putting them on properly anyway it would be quite surprising if there was a huge difference between those two cohorts well i mean if masks were effective um I, and if they were wearing them right i mean there's a two issues here, you know, they have to be effective and you have to wear them right for them to be effective. Um, you would have expected, I mean, kids are in school six hours a day, eight hours a day, you would expect there to be some effect, but there really wasn't. And if you look at the rest of that study, they actually see a very tight correlation between age and case rates. And I think it's just the way that um, as you get older, you're able to spread it better um, or you become more, you get, there's, um, the older you are, you tend to be more symptomatic, I suppose, but there was a really tight correlation with age and not with masks. And so right. that, that was a really nice study done. And Finland did um, a similar study. They looked at some districts that were masked and some that weren't and found no difference in case rates. I mean, in a sense, the onus should be on those people trying to bring in such a drastic change to the way everyone lives, don't you think? I mean, even if the we, we can argue about the details either way on one particular study or the other, in order to bring masks back or to make them a long-term permanent feature of life, especially for children, you would really have a very high bar required for the evidence. It would have to be black and white that, yeah, this is going to be awful. Your child's going to hate it, but it's going to make it 99% certain that they're not going to get COVID. Then I think a lot of parents would think seriously about it, perhaps. But the very fact that we've got this unclear outcome, you could say is enough of a clear conclusion. Part of me is like, why are we focusing on these lower quality observational studies when we have these better randomized controlled trials? And not just for COVID, we also have them for flu. And it's very similarly transmitted, similarly sized. And 
they, there's been many, many more randomized controlled trials on flu, especially in healthcare workers. And you look at these trials, you look at meta-analyses of these trials, and they all find really to have no effect. Um, there's even a Cochrane review, um, which is a very large organization that um, evaluates um, non -phar or uh, pharmaceutical invention, uh, interventions in general, and they analyzed many, many randomized control trials for flu and found there was no effect. And so why are we focusing on these lower quality observational studies? Why three years in, is that what we're cherry picking to put forth to promote masking? Um, you know, it, it, it's beyond time to let our best evidence guide our policies. And, and, and until we do that, and until we accept that masks really just have little efficacy against these seasonal respiratory viruses, these calls to mask up are going to happen every wave every winter. I mean, let me put your question to your colleague, Leslie, then. I mean, why do you think it is that there is this apparent bias in the prestige media, perhaps we should call it, towards evidence in favor of masks? What explains it, do you think? I think it's not just prestige media. I mean, if you're on a university campus, you know, it's, I, this accepted dogma is that you should wear a mask because, you know, why not? Um, I think it's the desire to feel like you're doing something. And people really struggle with the lack of control and the helplessness of feeling like there's nothing they can do. Um, and because very early on it was, do, quote, doing something was sort of associated with a political tribe, that is, if you were, you know, a Democrat, if you were on the right side, then you were doing the things. And then if you were not, if you were a Republican or you voted for Trump, you weren't doing the things. So it became just like a way to, you know, I don't know, show that you cared and all these things. And then people seem unable to let go of the idea that they're going to have some control over what happens to them. It's very like voodoo-ish in my opinion. And I know so many smart people who work with data every day who still will look me in the eye and say, you know, that that masks prevent the spread of COVID. Um, and I, I guess I'm not saying they never could if worn, you know, absolutely unfailingly correctly in every situation, but that's just generally not what happens. Um, and even in healthcare settings, I, I have seen some studies showing that masks really didn't didn't prevent spread of flu, for example, or RSV. And you know, that's a setting where you would think people were very motivated to mask correctly and wear high quality masks and all those things. But the reality is that we're human and so we need a drink of water or you know, someone can't hear and you pull the mask down. It's just the, I, I think what's happened, and I, I don't know if you observe the same thing where you are, but at least here in London, there are still masks signs on a lot of public transport and people are just ignoring them. Uh, and you go to places like theatre, uh, concert halls, and they will actually still hand out masks in some of them. People take them, they put them in their pocket, and you look around and no one's wearing them. So you reach kind of a collective point I think, where yeah, people have just made the decision that it's not going to be part of their lifestyle. And it's often talked about in the context of Asian and East Asian countries that have had a much more mask, masked society, at least in places like public transport for some years. And I, it seems like at least this culture is 
just projecting it. Do, do you feel like the same is going to happen in North America? I mean, I go to meetings, you know, even last week where everyone's masked but me. So I, I, yeah. I don't know. I think that <laughs> yeah. um, not here. Not in Portland. I think that it's become very, very clear to to a lot of people. <laughs> Maybe not like Portland, Oregon, San Francisco. You know, there's some places that are very, very, um, you know, they're still in this like COVID bubble. But I think that many of our COVID policies have been driven by politics. Um, our messaging in the media has been driven by politics over science, and people can see that. And it was so clear with schools. Um, you know, I, Leslie and I were also very involved in getting our schools reopened based on data. We were very data driven in, you know, I, by, by summer, we, we had data from Scandinavia and certainly like by early fall, we had data coming out of, of a lot of European countries and, and New York and around the U.S. Red states were opening their schools while blue states weren't. And people could see that the data they were being sold on schools and what was being reported in the media was just wrong. And, you know, and it was very, very harmful. Obviously, obviously school closures were much more harmful than these mask mandates, but I think that people feel gaslit. And I, and it's, and it's not, it's going to be very hard to get public buy-in next time there is a public health emergency. I think there's been so much lost trust in our public health institutions, in our media, and, the, the only way to get to go forward is to start looking at data and start running the right experiments and start making our policies and our decisions based on good, high quality data. So, Leslie, let me offer the final word to you then. Is your message to people wherever they are who are trying to make a decision whether they should get their kids to wear masks or themselves wear masks or in their workplace, the, the days of saying that refusing to wear a mask is a sign of being anti-science or being in some way a kind of rebel against authority, you're almost flipping it and saying at this point, you think the science is against mask wearing. And then if you do wear a mask, you're headed in the anti-science direction. Well, I wouldn't say if you wear a mask, you're anti-science. I would say that if you support mask mandates, you are definitely not following the data that's available on um, i wouldn't want to discourage people from wearing a mask you know if they if that's their choice um and i do feel like it's certainly possible that individuals can mask correctly or consistently enough that it could make a difference but i think the biggest um point i want to make is that you know, media have hyped masking and the CDC has certainly hyped masking. And what I and Marjorie and I know Jean are concerned about is that people do that instead of more meaningful things. Like they, they have this sort of voodoo doll of masking and then they're not doing the things that could actually keep them safe if they truly were vulnerable. Um, like a friend was telling me recently that she hosted Thanksgiving for like 20 people. And one of the guests called her and said, oh, we all have COVID, but we're gonna come anyway because we'll just mask. And she was like, no, like my, my father's like 90, could you just not, you know, but people have it in their heads that that's gonna stop something. And it's pretty clearly not, especially at a meal, you know, like presumably you took off your mask to eat your Thanksgiving. 
So actually too much faith in them can make people more reckless in, in other behaviors. Yeah, like not staying home if you're sick or have COVID or, um, you know, not going to something if you yeah. are in a time where you are really weakened for whatever reason, age, or you're having chemotherapy or, you know, something like that, then yeah, maybe the right decision is you just don't go to those parties for that amount of time. Um, I think that would be way more protective. Marjorie, it feels like you want to give us one extra concluding thought. Yeah, I just think that a lot of people don't have realistic, realistic expectations of what their masks can achieve. Um, like, like Leslie says, like, you know, people go out when they're not feeling well, but they say they'll put on a mask. Um, you know, um, people, people think that they're being protected in a way that they're not, and it's making them act in ways that maybe they wouldn't otherwise. And I think it's fine to take risks. I think, you know, obviously this virus is endemic, so it's going to be with us forever. Um, but people should have realistic expectations of what the masks can achieve. And the data suggests that they're not achieving much. The high quality data suggests they're not achieving much. And, um, you know, I've heard people say, I have a mask. Why bother getting vaccinated? Um, you know, it, why um, invest in improving building air quality, uh, which could help with respiratory season, uh, respiratory virus season. And, you know, because we have masks, we're putting all our... Um, all our eggs in one basket and the basket is pretty broken. So I, I don't know. It just seems like um, we should not be hyping something or exaggerating the efficacy when it's not there. It could, it's not, it, there are harms to doing that. Dr. Leslie Bean and, and Dr. Marjorie Smelkinson, thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. That was Dr. Leslie Beenan and Dr. Marjorie Smelkinson both of whom are infectious disease scientists, people who have been making a special study of face masks during this pandemic, trying to work out whether or not they're actually effective. And as you heard, they have come to the conclusion that overall, they are not effective enough to justify mask mandates. That's quite an important distinction. And I was pushing Dr. Leslie there and she resisted it. She said, actually, no, in theory, if everyone wore a face mask, a high quality face mask, well, as it should be worn all the time, it might have a tangible effect on disease transmission. But the reality is when you institute mask mandates, people don't wear them properly and the net effect is not very large. Clearly, when you come to children, that gap would be even wider and you start seeing no effect at all. So I thought that was persuasive and the studies there that are mentioned in that video, we will put down in the text below so you can go and check them out for yourselves. Thank you to both Marjorie and Leslie, and thanks to you for tuning in. This was Unheard. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.